0: times when you help people overcome and there's times when you've let people down and you got to tell both of those stories because if not then you lose the empathy and connection both to your people and to your end customers so if you can keep that at the focus in the center then everything moves forward from there
1: you're listening to banking on digital growth with james robert Lay
2: Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay and welcome to episode 256 of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series and I'm excited to welcome Derek Sutton back to the show. Derek is the chief marketing officer at Autobooks who is working to upgrade small business banking for financial brands. And today I look forward to talking with Derek about how financial brands can guide people. How you can guide people, both internally and externally, through the complexities of change, because, well, people are complex and complicated creatures. Welcome to the show, Derek. It is good to share time with you again today, buddy.
0: It is great to be back, man. Looking forward to it.
2: Before we get into, shall I say, some controversial topics... Um, around tracking measuring monitoring and then taking action from what what inspires consumers to to change their behaviors what's good in your world right now personally or professionally it is your pick to get started on a positive note
0: so this this will date the podcast a little bit but the USA just beat Iran to go advance to the next round of the World cup so I'm a huge soccer fan grew up playing um was just you know in on the couch with the with the family shouting and screaming and yelling so that's, what's good in my world today. Um, And when it comes to work, you know, we just continue to make progress with uh, um, digital partners that unlock more banking opportunities. So we are actually live with over a thousand financial institutions now, which is great. So um, yeah, sky's the limit.
2: You know, you're talking about the world cup and I was right there with you because you, you, you messaged me and you're like, can we just push this back just a little bit? I was like, absolutely. And then I hopped on and you weren't there. So I was like, he's probably still watching the game and then i pulled up youtube tv and i have no i don't know much about soccer i'm a big like march madness person so when it comes to college basketball I'll, that's what i'm yelling at the tv but for this game i was even yelling at the tv for this one it was exciting even though i had no idea what was happening i knew just you know just a very little bit but it was exciting for sure well that that is good um both personally and then also professionally and you know a while back um you shared a forbes article that ron Shevlin had written, titled, What Would It Take to Get You to Change Banks? You're Probably Lying. And you noted that his article really illustrated the importance to study consumer and consumer behavior, um, of why they have actually made the switch uh, from an old way of doing something to a new way of doing something, some new action, new behavior, new habits. Why, why is this? Why is it important to to, to be aware of these deeper consumer behaviors here?
0: Yeah, I mean, at the very core simple um, answer is humans are complex. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, they we don't make decisions as rationally as we like to think we do. We make decisions very irrationally. And so structuring, you know, surveys or falling too in love with like analyst reports and things like that without actually going in and doing the work to have, conversations with consumers, um, understand how your customers are, um, in, you know, like in but working day to day with your financial services within their communities. Cause you know, there's all sorts of nuance between banking environments that matter. And if you're, if you're making decisions based upon, you know, just kind of like very well-structured surveys that are, you know, not necessarily, um, dialed into your customer base and so in their needs, like things can get a little off, things can get a little, little wonky. So there's a really good book. I guess maybe like the way I'd like frame it up. So if you want to like read something about this, um, there's a book that was recommended to me called The End of Average. And basically, what it what it the book is about is like if you try to design for the average, you design for nobody. Mm. And so the the um the use case I get from the book is. They talked about they were working like the Air Force is working with fighter pilots and they were trying to de- uh, like design the ideal cockpit. And so they were taking measurements of all the fighter pilots and they were taking measurements of like their arm span, their height, the instrumentation, everything. And they basically computated all of these factors and they built what they thought was the ideal cockpit and it ended up not working for anybody. Yeah. Right. So like they designed around the average and it worked for nobody. It was worse for everyone. And that's the way I feel about a lot of banking surveys, right? So like if you design around the average banking world, are you really designing for anyone or no
2: one? Mm. You know, as you're talking through this, I want to dive deeper into the, the challenge with surveys um, as a poor way to measure, we'll call it sentiment, feelings, emotions. Um, you know, one of the things that you noted in this LinkedIn article um, was something from Bob Moesta, um, bitching ain't switching. And I think, I I think of one particular organization in my mind right now, um, to where if they get a bad survey and it goes all the way up to the CEO, it's like panic mode. Like that's just like one person, but how much action is being taken off of that complaint if any action or are they just sitting there just complaining about whatever it might be and how much time is then wasted and then how much time is then spent to try to resolve that one thing for this one problem i think the end of average which the subtitle is how we succeed in a world that values sameness let's what's the problem with surveys what are we missing out on when it comes to the we'll call it the quantitative and maybe even the qualitative side of things but Where's the danger here for the dear listener? There's no,
0: yeah, there's no skin in the game, right? It's easy to answer a survey and put like kind of check the box into what's ideal for you. So you and I were talking about um, like housing, right? And like, if you think about um, if somebody surveyed you about what you want in your house, what answers are you going to provide, right? You're going to probably check the boxes of a lot of things that when it comes down to making the decision, and having to put money on the line and like the down payment and commit to the monthly payment, you actually, at that point in time of making the switch, yes. right, of actually switching homes, you make different trade-offs. Mm. So surveys don't have skin in the game. They don't have trade-offs, right, in the actual moment of decision. And that's why when Bob said, and Bob's a mentor of ours, um, he's a, a consultant in the jobs to be done framework and theory for the for the audience and that's why in jobs, and we're we're big in jobs to be done. That's why you study the switch. You don't study the survey. You study the switch because the switch is people actually went through the pain of moving from one bank to another. Okay, so if you go talk to our our thesis or argument is go talk to ten people that changed banks and study their switch. Right. So you say, all right, you switched at this point in time, and you keep backing them up in their timeline of like what led you. To make that switch, um, if you just study ten people and their switching behavior, you'll get far far more out of that than getting a thousand people to respond to a survey, because there were actual trade offs that were made. And so, what happens is, in the moment of a switch, you have four forces at play. You have the push, what's pushing somebody towards making a new decision. You have the pull, what does the new solution offer to that person that's enticing, but then. Pulling down from that, you have anxieties that the person has about making the switch, and then you have their existing habits. Mm. And if the push and the pull aren't strong enough to overcome the anxieties and the habits, a switch won't be made. And so if you're a bank and you're thinking about, how do I get people to switch banking environments? That's a big decision, right? A lot of anxieties, a lot of habits at play. If you don't interview those people and really unpack what those are, then that gets into that era of sameness, right? Like how much different does your checking account really
2: look? Right. And I want to dive deeper into this because let's come back to those four forces, the push and the pull, the anxiety, and then the habits. And the habits are the repeatable actions. And this is something that I'm really diving deep in with my second book, Banking on Change, that... You know, if I look at habits, actions, what drives that, feelings and emotions, what drives that, thoughts, what drives that, beliefs, like you keep rolling this back further and further and further, looking at where we're at right now in the present moment, what is it that you find holds financial brands back from measuring or just even asking these 10 people because because it's a small data set it's not it doesn't have to be a large data set because you're going to gain a lot more insight into just having the conversation and and using the five or the seven whys why 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 going deeper into that what is it that holds financial brands back from measuring yet alone understanding the impact that studying consumer behavior can have on their future growth
0: yeah i think we've it's this really environmental change that's taken place, this shift that's happened over time. So I can't like point to one thing, but it's this evolution of moving into the digital channel. Digital channel is great for the efficiency, the 24 by seven nature, self-service capabilities and all that, but we use it as a crutch. And what I mean by that is, we've basically taken taken the consumer out of a day-to-day personal interaction with ourselves, where we're actually able to see the empathy on their face, their concern, their habits, their anxieties, talk about those things, hear about those things, and let those um, conversations wash over us as bankers, and then use those daily daily interactions and the roll-up of those interactions to make decisions, right? So as less and less people come to our banking centers, and they're now in the digital channel, we've lost that physical connection Right. To understand and have that empathy gain. Okay. Now we replace that with surveys, chats, very unemotional, unattached interactions that start to feel very binary. Yep. Right. And so you start to make these decisions on these very binary moments. And you know, the survey that gets rolled up to the executive team without context. Right. Um, and those type those types of things, while sometimes in- like offer value aren't always the most important thing to take action on, you know? Because as we all know, it's really easy in a chat or in a social media thread to say something very harsh that you would never say in person um, or take an action in social that you would never actually take an action on um, in your day-to-day life. And that's where the phrase bitching ain't switching comes from because you can bitch about a lot of things. That doesn't mean that you're actually going to switch your behavior um, to something different.
1: Digital growth is a journey from good to great, but sometimes this journey can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming. The good news is you don't have to take this journey alone because now you can join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs who are all learning, collaborating, and growing together. Visit digitalgrowth.com insider to learn more about how you can join the digital growth insider community to maximize your future digital growth potential. Now, back to the show.
2: It's a great point you make on the study of human behavior, which is why as a digital anthropologist, I think th- I've been doing this for two decades, but the more that I do this, the deeper that I go looking at the intersection of marketing and sales, technology and human behavior, I'm growing more fascinated with the human behavior component because I think it's where to start your conversation. It's probably the greatest area of complexity, and I just have a naturally curious perspective that I like to ask a lot of questions and learn. I mean, even today I'm learning so much through this conversation here when you look out at opportunities. What are the opportunities for financial brands to establish a practice of digital anthropology, human studies, however you want to frame this. I'm, I'm seeing some financial brands, particularly much larger assets starting to hire chief behavioral officers and really build practices internally, which I'm like, that's awesome. I got a lot of hope there, but for those who aren't there yet, opportunities and I think the key is maybe to just stop and to pause to review, to reflect, to learn through what they've been doing to then take those insights, critically think about them and then apply them to their next iteration of doing is a very different way of we'll call it thinking and doing where where are the opportunities here that are more more practical speaking practically speaking that they can apply going forward.
0: Yeah, I think there's some really easy ones quite frankly. So Let's say you're the head of digital and you want to um, measure like the effectiveness of new digital signups, right? Like what's it like for people coming in and doing the first interactions that you want them to do. Yep. Okay. Get a monthly report of everybody that signed up for digital that month. Go talk to two or three of them, right? Call them on the phone. Um, You know, give them a gift card, ask them if they'll come by the branch. More than likely they'll just jump on the phone, you know, send them a $50 Amazon gift card that, 30-minute to an hour-long conversation, you never know how long it's going to go, will tell you more than any survey or any NPS survey that you put up inside the application or email survey that you send out because you'll get somebody's real raw feedback, right? Like call them, talk to them, ask them why. There's a Japanese proverb, James Robert, that you ask somebody to really get the real answer, you got to ask them why five times, okay? So like, why why did you change you know, to our financial institution. And the first answer they give you is going to kind of be a repeat back of your marketing material because they've kind of like digested it. They've kind of heard the feature benefits and like, that's what they'll mimic back. Like, yeah, but like, what, what were you doing before that? You know, well, why was that broken? Like what first led you to think that that was broken and you just keep backing them up. And what you're going to find is like the real root cause to like what went wrong in that previous relationship. And you'll hear things like, you know what, like, I was a growing business and things were going along fine. And I thought I had a personal relationship with this financial institution. And the first time that something went wrong with my account, you know, and I had an NSF or I couldn't get a loan or something like that just rubbed me the wrong way. And then you'll hear these things of like, well, okay, well, is that when you changed? And they're like, no. And then like later on, like maybe years go by. And then, but that's just staying with them. It's like this heavy, like blanket, like they've just been carrying around or like weight they've been carrying around. Yeah. And then that just stays with them. And then the next minute, like something smaller and innocuous happens. And they're like, that's why I changed. No, that was like the thing that, like the real thing that led them to like thinking about making the change, but it wasn't quite there. And then maybe like a couple of little small events happen. And then those are the things that get rolled up to the CEO in the survey right? And everybody thinks that the customer left because of that reason. But when you back it up, it was really this other raw thing that happened that made them like look bad in front of their customer or embarrassed to their family, or they didn't meet payroll to their employees at the time because like the, the line of credit didn't hit at the right time. And so they like looked inferior as a boss and like all these emotional things that are just very raw happen to people. But unless you talk to them, you don't get that answer, right? Right. So whatever your key thing that you're trying to measure as a banker, just whenever that happens, monthly like I said, monthly, quarterly, reach out and talk to the people that made the switch, ask them why five times.
2: Yeah, this is the 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 entire reason we continue to conduct digital secret shopping studies for financial brands cuz we're getting the qualitative and and they're 15 they probably average 30 minutes of film. And then you distill that down into, okay, well, what were the, like the three big patterns that you got out of this? And you drive deeper, and then you start connecting these patterns across multiple people, and you identify opportunities for optimization. Maybe it's positioning. Maybe it's, you know, calls to action, whatever it might be. But you're tapping into something here when it comes to change management. Um, and I wrote about this in Banking on Change. There are, are really four elements that inspire one to change their behavior. Number one, they have to see different. Number two, that when they see different, they're going to think different. And when I ask bankers the question, what happens next? I see different. Therefore, I think different. I think different. Therefore, what happens? 99%, I've asked this over a thousand times now, 99% will go out and say, I'm going to do different. I'm going to act different. I'm going to be different. And we've missed a huge step in behavior modification. And you're tapping into this with your thought, which is why I want to pause on this. I see different, therefore I think different. I think different, therefore I feel different. And when my feelings, my desire, my emotional energy reaches a point to where I want to take action, the desire, the feeling to change, to be different than I am today, to take action, that is when the new action, the new, which then is repeated, becomes the new habit but it's the feelings and the emotional emotions and i feel that there's an emotional gap within financial brands because financial brands are driven by very smart left brain analytical leaders but when we make decisions back to your point to start the conversation we're not doing it off of logic we're doing it off of more feeling and emotion what what can financial brands do to bridge the emotional gap that I would say is maybe more inherent to this vertical than others?
0: Yeah, I think you find the opportunities to actually connect with the customer about your products. And I'll give you a really good example that I learned from a banker. So um, back in like the mid 2010s, like 2012, 13, 14, 15, somewhere in there, I was working for a company and we were launching our digital banking suite for the first time online and mobile banking taking it to market. And, um, you know, like I was heavily invested in the project and we, we, um, we, we took it out to a small community bank in West Texas and they implemented the program and their usage rates were like way higher than every other financial institution. And it was counterintuitive of intuitive because it was, it was in kind of, like I said, rural West Texas, wasn't in a metropolitan area. And so like convention would say, um, you know, younger people are going to use digital banking it's more for that demographic and and so forth and so on. Right. Mm -hmm. But they had an older demographic base, but their usage rates were way higher. Mm. So then I go ask, I said, um, I talked to the banker. I said, what happened? Like, what did you guys do in your rollout? And he said, well, what, what I did was he goes, it's very simple. Like I just made all of my senior officers and loan officers sign up for demonstrations and like um, answer people's questions in the lobby. Like for, for a whole month, everybody had to like basically stand at our stand, like one of our senior officers or, or loan officers. And when people walked in the lobby, they had to greet them and say, Hey, have you seen our new mobile banking app and online banking app? Like, well, I'd love to like log in and show you how to use it. Okay. That one simple interaction, what it did, one one thing it did is it forced his senior team to kind of like learn the product. Right. They're out in the communities, they're talking about it. So they're evangelizing it, right? Yep. But then it also created this welcoming environment to a category of people that wanted to embrace technology, but they needed somebody to help them with that first kind of like foray into it. So think about that same demographic w- when it comes to Facebook. They weren't the early adopters, but now they're the high usage people, right? Yeah. Because they needed they needed their kids or their grandkids to introduce them to the technology, take them through it. But then once on it, like they're flourishing, okay? Same thing happened in digital banking with this particular financial institution. So I think it's finding those opportunities, to connect with your customer, understand like how they onboard into the products and services that you offer. It may be that you can do self-service and you can may do it really, really well, right? When talking with people, you get design experience around that. It may be that some people need a little bit of a personal touch and mm-hmm. understanding that's important. And then I'll give you another, another thing that that always comes to mind when I'm thinking about this too is, talking to your customers, connecting to your customers, understanding their anxieties and habits also helps you understand what you can say definitively no to as well. Right. And not not chase shiny objects. So, as an example, um a couple of years ago I was working as an independent consultant, a bill pay company hired my company to come in and do like some UX work for them and all that. And at the time, you remember like voice banking was all the rage, like 6 years ago. Everybody was going to be on voice, right? Everybody. Everybody's going to be voice banking, voice banking that. And so they hired me and I basically went out and interviewed people and I came back and I said, you're not going to like this, but like voice banking is going to fail. And they were like, what do you mean? Like, it's the hot thing. We have to offer voice, you know, everybody in the industry is talking about it. It's, you know, it's, it's all the thing. And I'm like, for one simple reason, who likes to talk about money Mm. and what people, when you interview them and you really unpack it, even in if I'm in my car by myself, If I'm in my home talking to Alexa, people have been raised to not talk about money. And so what are we asking them to do in voice banking?
2: Talk it's cultural norm. Don't, we don't talk about money.
0: We don't talk about, they don't even want to talk, they don't even want to hear their own balance out loud. They're just not, it's just something that makes them feel uncomfortable. Right. And so like, I knew that the thing was going to fail at that point in time, but that didn't stop a lot of banks from chasing that shiny object.
2: It's interesting that you bring that up, and, and I want to touch on that point and then come back to Facebook too and kind of just like where things are going forward because I remember too, I was I was advising and recommending against – voice I I would get asked about it by, by, by financial brands. I'd be asked about it by the trades, and I would always take a contrarian approach. And I don't know, maybe I'm just wired to always like look – well, if everyone's like hot on something – Well, let me poke holes into why it's not hot. Um, But then if something is not hot, I want to make a case of why it has the potential to be hot, but maybe just not yet. Um, I think Facebook is a great example of this too. You know, we talk about early adoption. It's the whole thing about TikTok. You know, we're watching the same thing happen with TikTok, what happened with Facebook five, 10 years ago. TikTok is kind of getting a more normalized perspective I'm not saying for the dear listener, you don't have to go out and like hop on TikTok today or tomorrow, but maybe just get in there and start learning it and experiencing it and seeing how it is being utilized with financial services. I'm seeing a lot of financial advisors who are using it. Um, I'm seeing a lot of mortgage loan officers who are using it, even some commercial lenders who are starting to use it as an educational tool. It's, it's being comfortable, challenging, in transforming how you view things yourself, the same thing too. And I don't think we're here today or tomorrow And I'm having to check my own bias at the door around things like the metaverse because it's so easy to be like, oh, that's just dumb. Or like web 3.0. I don't get the whole NFT thing. I do, but I'm just saying for the dear listener, like if if you don't understand it, it's okay. Have an open mind and just be willing to learn. And I think the very first thing we have to learn is learn about ourselves and like why we feel, why we believe what we believe and how could our own biases be the biggest impediment for future growth going forward as an individual, as a team, as an organization. What's your thought on that? Cause if we're getting into a deeper conversation about like personal transformation, but I think personal transformation has to be part of an overall quote unquote digital transformation narrative.
0: No, I, I mean, you're resonating with me. So I think here's a simple rubric. So what is what is uh, an online social platform, right? Like social, what do you build? Community. What are the people that build the biggest communities called influencers? Okay. So if you kind of just take even that baseline definition or rubric there, as a banker, are you in community and do you want to be in community with your customers? I mean, it's called community banking, yeah. you know, so <laughs> I, I would say yes. Um, do you want to influence their financial lives? I would say yes, right? Yeah. And like, can you do that through education, thought leadership, talking about other people in the community? You have all of these things coming at you. You've got customer testimonials, you've got use cases, you've got kind of the pulse on the community. I would argue that, that community bankers should be some of the biggest financial influencers out there, if done right, you know, and it doesn't have to be like, you don't have to do like the the Applebee's dance or whatever that thing was on there. Like you could offer really, you know, just great content, yeah. you know, and just very practical. Um, you don't have to be humorous, right? Like people are, you know, there's definitely like this thing, like people like the humor stuff, but a lot of people like really just want stats and facts and information of how to make progress. And that community will find you Um, if that's what you stick to Mm. and you're true to, so yeah, like go and it it all builds on each other. Um, so let's just say that you were doing this as a banker. Um, what I'd be advising you is like, Hey, just get started, right? Like just start, you know, kind of starting to build up content, start to share what now, Derek, what do I share? Like, okay, share stories. How many people are you talking to? Oh, okay. That thing we talked about earlier, how many people signed up for an account last month? You talked to three of them. Could you share their story? Like, you don't have to even share their name, like not their testimony, but like, hey, you know what? I talked to three clients last month and one of the stories just really stuck to me. This person had had this bad thing happen, blah, 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 blah. They came, we greeted them. They had success. And now look at them. How many people are then listening to that and seeing themselves in that story? Yeah. And they're saying, you know what? Like, And that's better than any marketing slick, than any CD rate, than any, you know, like premier checking or whatever uh, PDF that you could ever create
2: it follows a very simple narrative structure pain cure pleasure people presented with pain we offered them a cure and now they're experiencing pleasure because of that i mean it's a very simple you you identify these patterns in communication and then you're able to re-communicate them back out to the community. The idea of community, I think you're onto something there because in episode 247, I talked to Gina B., who's the CEO at a company called Mighty Networks, and they are building independently owned communities. Um, and I've talked about how, like, you know, before we hit record, we're building a a banking on ecosphere. Um, you know, started with banking on digital growth, or banking on change, banking on expertise will come after banking on change. I've thought about banking on communities. I mean, there's, there's this whole thing that we can continue to build around. Um, and so Gina B. talked about that in episode 247. In episode 255, Anne Handley, uh, author of Everybody Writes, we were talking about how communication is, is critical as a leader. Um, and a lot of this boils down to, back to you said, influence. And so let's look at this. You have communication and you have influence, and I'll call that leadership. Both are critical practices for effective change management. As we look ahead towards future growth in uncertain economic times, what are opportunities for financial brand leaders to optimize their own communication to influence positive behavior transformation both internally as well as externally, I want to start internally first because this is all about making sure that our people are taken care of when it comes to navigating tough economic challenges, tough economic times, uncertain economic times. How can we positively influence good behavior as a leader internally first so that our people are taken care of?
0: Tell stories, Best way, right? So we have a phrase at Autobucks called proximity creates empathy. Mm. And so you have to gain proximity to your employees first, right? You then teach and train them and work with them to gain proximity to the customers you serve. And then out of those interactions, you just repeat the stories that take place. It's very simple, right? We're all, um, as people, we've been built on the passing down of stories and fables and like, you know heroes journeys and things of that tragedies, all those kinds of things. Right. Yeah. And those things happen every day in people's financial lives. And there are times when you help people overcome and there's times when you've let people down Yeah. and you got to tell both of those stories, because if not, then you lose the empathy and connection, both to your people and to your end customers. So if you can keep that at the focus in the center, Mm. then everything moves forward from there. So then if you're building a financial brand and you're in marketing you have to get out of the cheesecake factory menu (laughs) approach that you and I, you know, talk about, right. Of, okay. I've got this banking website. I've got all of these products and I must put every one of them up on the website. I would say that that's false, you know, because what happens is it gets to that average thing, right. And you start, it's so overwhelming and it's so bank speak yeah. that a customer can't see themselves. They can't see their story in your website. Yep. And so if you actually pull that back and say, proximity creates empathy, empathy, why are most of our customers choosing us? Where are most of our customers finding success and value? Go build the site around that. Right. And there's a place then, and then there's ways that you can, you know, obviously surface up other features, but the main thing needs to be the main thing in telling customer stories and internal customer stories is the best way to draw people in and reestablish community banking in a a digital way, I believe.
2: I like the idea of reestablishing community banking in a digital way. Let's wrap up on this thought and send the dear listener off with something super practical that, that they can do next, because all transformation that leads to future growth begins with a very small and simple step forward. And you're right, it all comes back to community and it all comes back to guiding people beyond the pains of the present moment, both internally and externally, what is one simple step that they can take next the dear listener to guide them forward, to help them positively transform behaviors, whether that be through an internal lens or an external lens that goes beyond the survey um, that really puts people's stories at the center of their thinking and doing. What's one thing?
0: Yep, take those stories. So go take the interviews, distill the sur- the stories, And then at your company, all hands at your weekly branch meetings, wherever you can tell those stories. And the great thing about that is you don't have to be this crazy innovator. You know, if you just tell people stories and let people react to that and take action, if you've got good people around you, like good things will happen. You'll like the number of ideas, the number of, um, you know, positive things that will come out of that, Mm. you'll be astonished. So just make it a habit to talk to customers, hear their stories tell those stories as often as you can, and then let the people around you react to that. And the people that react positively are the people that are going to to help move your organization forward. If people don't react positively, that's a red flag, right? And like, they probably need to be moved on and find a, a different organization. But man, just like get back connected to your customers, hear their stories, tell their stories, rinse and repeat.
2: To synthesize that, go all in on people, ask good questions, listen to them, learn through observation, make it a habit to listen. There's no better way to we have, we launch a podcast. I mean, there, that's a very practical way to, to really be at the center of your niche market. And because you're listening in real time, and that then gives you a content conduit to continuously take what you're learning, roll that back out into the marketplace, which is why I'm so grateful for, you know, the conversations that I'm having with, with people like you, because we're all learning and growing here together.
0: Yeah. I mean, here's so like, I'll tell our our head of training, Kim, she launched an internal podcast. Right. So like, you're a banker, go do that. Right. And what she does is like, she tells stories of AutoBooks team members. She goes, Hey, what do you do? How do you help our small business clients? Like tell me stories about like of impact of small business customers. And that's the internal podcast right now. Everybody gets infected with what that person does, their interactions with the customers and gets built up better. We learn about who they are as a person, their role at autobooks, how they're impacting the small business customer and how they, you know, basically like influence the organization that I work with. Like it's a great way to build community. So if you're scared, maybe it's not out to the external audience, maybe it's internal audience
2: first. I've made that recommendation so many times to organizations in the digital growth University. They're like, where do I begin? You start internally because it's safe and and you you're, you're building community internally first that then eventually will boil over externally and it's just it's just habits. it's just showing up. I, I tell my son he's 12 years old all the time. I'm like 90, 95% of life is just showing up and putting the work in and, and, and having a commitment to keep doing this. On that note for the dear listener to continue to expand your thinking, another great book, The Business of Belonging, How to Make Community Your Competitive Advantage. Very practical, very tactical, has a lot of strategy too, but really good things that you could do. That's a great example, Derek, of what your trainer is doing to take the stories of success and also lessons to be learned, and then sharing those internally. You're all getting better together. You're all working towards a purpose that is bigger than the present moment. Derek, I wanna thank you for joining me for another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. Great conversation, just like before. We're definitely gonna to have to do this again. What is the best way for someone to reach out to you, say hello, continue the conversation that we've started here today?
0: Yeah, probably the best way is just on LinkedIn. It's Derek Sutton, D-E-R-I-K. S-C-U-T-T-O-N, and then hit us up at autobooks. We'd love to hear from you.
2: Connect with Derek, learn with Derek, grow with Derek. Derek, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. This has been a lot of fun, buddy.
0: You bet. Thanks for having me.
2: As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and make your bed.
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. To get even more practical and proven insights along with coaching and guidance, visit digitalgrowth.com insider to join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs. Until next time, be well and do good.